Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Good morning. Big welcome. Uh, how's everyone doing here in this room? Everyone well? Is everyone good? It's great to be together. And uh, everyone is good on this side of the room. And everyone is a lot more obedient on this side of the room. That's a joke, uh, just in case you're wondering. Uh, also, great to join everyone on our live. So great to be hanging out with you if you're at home. We are literally live with you or wherever you're going to be watching this from. So great to be together. Uh, big thank you to our worship team. Let's put our hands together and thank them. Some of them have moved on, but we appreciate you. Actually appreciate everybody involved and all of our hosts, all of our kids leaders, everyone who's just made today possible. Big thank you. Okay, well, um, it is, uh, I think it's week four. It's the final installment of When the Music Fades. This was really a series about worship and trying to redefine it for us because uh, for many of us um, who have been around church for a little while, we've kind of um, had ideas about it, concepts, but there was a Really, really trying to get back to what the scripture says about it. So that's um, every message is online. You can listen to it. But there was another purpose as well that in this season, with the pressure, a lot of external pressure at the uh, tail end of those first initial lockdowns and then the second lot, you know, just people needing more than anything else. What we need is not more um, dogma. We don't need more kind of black and white. What we need is God's presence. We need to actually understand who God is and more than any, any ever before. So this morning, it may feel like, like a little bit of a, a weird deviation, but I, I want to talk about um, a concept that I think is really important to grasp when it comes to our worship. And uh, it, may, uh, it may go well. Um, it may not. You can, you know, in the comments, just tell me if it's any good or not. Or, um, I'll try to try and ignore them, but... If they're bad, if they're, if they're good, I'll print them, probably. Just jokes. <laughs> um, but I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and this is in the Message Bible. It says, Since God has so generously led us in on what He is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off on the job just because we run into occasional hard times. So that phrase, God leading us generously in, the NIV says, is because of His mercy, so in on the plan of Jesus, this great uh, redemptive story. Um, so we refuse to wear masks, therefore, and play games. We're not going to maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes, and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves. That's key, eh? Those who want to. Man, that's huge can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. I mean, that whole thing, you could unpack that. The fact is where you go, the presence of God is. So your life being lived out in the open within truth is actually people experiencing God's presence. Man, that is a huge responsibility. And it's a huge opportunity as well. goes on to say that if our message is obscure to anyone, it's not because we're holding back in any way. No, it's because these other people, he's now talking about a different group, are looking or going the wrong way around this and refusing to give it serious attention. They have eyes for what is, uh, all they have, excuse me, 
is eyes for fashionable God of darkness. They think he can give them what they want and that they won't have to bother believing a truth they can't see. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message. The message is Jesus that shines with Christ who gives us the best picture of God we'll ever get. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master, the Lord of all. That, that phrase is he's become the Lord of everything, the king of the universe. And that is the evolving picture we're in now. In our lives, uh, the master, sorry, we are all, uh, all we are as messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ. All bright and beautiful. Ready for this? If you look if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unordained clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. If you, look, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry around this message in unordained clay pots. Have you um, ever tried pottery? Have you ever had a go? I don't advise it. I mean, if you, if you had an artistic streak, yes. But if you're quite a functional person, a mechanic or an engineer, don't bother. Like, no, don't. Like, I'm not That's not a joke. It's weird. This morning you're laughing not at my jokes, but laughing at things that aren't jokes. That's serious advice. Do not even attempt it. I know this because um, there was a place in Nelson when I was growing up called the Craft Habitat. And the fact that I know that's very sad habitat. Uh, but my mum and my grandma used to take us there for holidays, holiday activities. Some people would go to Rainbow's End. We went to Craft Habitat. We didn't actually, we didn't actually go to Craft Habitat. Mum also took us to horse riding. But they weren't on good horses. They were on some random paddock she was driving past one day and said, do you mind if I bring our kids? I'm sure they were pretty lame. You know, they were not well. And not only that, but, and there's no link to this, but she'd also take us to the freezing works. She would. She would take us to, to do you remember this, Simon? No. And she'd take us to the freezing works to watch an animal. I'm not kidding. Go into the freezing works as an animal and would watch the slaughter, would watch the butchery, and would go and walk away with a packet of saveloys. And I'm not kidding. My mum. And anyway, um, this is actually all true. And there was no internet, obviously. Um, so my mum was always up for that. And, but my grandma would always come along too to the craft habitat, um, Bethy. And so we'd go along. I remember arriving there and they would give you this huge hunk of clay. We must have gone five or six times. And it was instant fun. You know, you just imagine kids with my personality. And they said, um, hey, um, how you handle this clay? We'll give you this clay. You just add a little bit of water. And, you know, a little bit to a male of my personality and a little bit of ADHD means at least a litre. You know, it does. And so I just added, you know, water and we just kind of got into it and it just was a massive mess. And, uh, and after a few visits, we're allowed to have a go on the wheel of misfortune for me because, like, honestly, how do people make anything out of this stuff? It's just like, it was just like, shoot up. Like, we'd just try and get as tall as we could and then it would just fire across the room, you know? It was just crazy. But one thing that I did make that I was really proud of, um, and it's going to sound a bit um, irreligious here, but uh, my grandma, like many people, she, she was born in 1923 or 1920-something, she grew up smoking. 
And so she, it was just commonplace. They thought it was good for your throat. It, honestly, they did. So she, we grew up smoking. So I thought as a kid it would be nice in the holidays to make her an ashtray. <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, this, I've, got, I've got it. I've got it. I get Paul's illustrative, descriptive words here. Many of you may not. And one of the reasons why you may not is because in our commonplace, a piece of pottery is for art. But in this Bible time, in the culture, it actually wasn't art. It was function, everyday function. So the picture, just picture it. If you're carrying anything, cooking anything, baking anything, um, candlestick making, I don't know, whatever you're doing, water, if you're going to go get water, you're using these clay pots. And they were also used for lights, which is really interesting. So they have a whole series of different, you know, things they would use them for in ways. And, and uh, like tonight, like not tonight, hopefully, but, you know, at nighttime, if you wake up and you need to go see your kid in the night, you use your phone, don't you? You just, you know, it, I mean, isn't that hard, you know? Like literally, well, back then you'd have to get your clay pot, hey, and you walk around with your pocket, hey, during the day people like your phone's on. Like, what do you mean? Your light, your light's on. It's like, how did you even do that? Same way you make butt calls, isn't it? So, so these clay pots, and you've got a kid going crazy in the bedroom, got to get your pot out, your clay pot. Sorry, your clay pot out. Too close to the referendum, isn't it? And so you got your clay pot out, and you went down to the bedroom, and, and you were like, hey, what's going on? Why aren't you sleeping? And the kid goes, I'm hungry. And you're like, you didn't eat your dinner. Anyway, these were everyday moments. And Paul says, this is what is really out there, and you've got to understand this about the Scriptures. If you do not get into the everyday part of life, you miss the meaning. Paul says, there is a work of God, God Almighty, that is likened to a clay pot. He comes in, God comes in through Jesus, through believing the message of Jesus, uh, the message of grace, the message of the gospel. And then in you, okay, this work in you, you're the pot. And, and this great light, he says, has filled this pot. And these guys are just getting images of at nighttime carrying around this jar. And yeah, I've seen a light in a jar. What? This is what it's like for me now that Jesus has come into my life? That This was not what the Corinthians were used to. This is not what they were used to hearing about God. God was for special secret dwelling places, lavished with gold and curtains and jewels. And then there was the Holy of Holies that had a giant curtain that kept anyone except for a high priest to go into. And by the way, if the high priest went into, they had a rope on their leg in case they were killed by the glory, the glory of God that doesn't want to murder people, but the glory of God that is so great, so awesome, so powerful so majestic that human life cannot handle. This is what many in the Corinthian world were aware of or could relate to. But now Paul's saying, hold on guys, there's a new kind of work. There's a new kind of temple. There's a new kind of dwelling. First Corinthians 6.19 says that you are now the temple. David and Solomon built this crazy temple for God. And even God goes, what, are you gonna build me a house? What can man do? What kind of house is man going to build God that he could dwell in it? But he, he, he entertained them. In fact, he actually set this whole thing up as a picture for the way that pure, 
way of understanding what the holy interacting with the unholy would look like. But now that we have Jesus, even clay pots can know the glory of God. There should be a bigger amen than just the front row. Because of Jesus, you and me, not the temple with gold and curtains and jewels and perfection, not, not only in the holy of holies can know the glory of God, but we can know the glory of God. And that is, it was a shocking revelation to them. And it's missed by nearly all of us. Because you're probably, when I started talking about pottery, picturing something beautiful, something um, masterful. And there's certainly to the human life elements of that. But the clay pots found in their homes in Corinthians were most likely not artworks from craft habitat. They were well-worn, scuffed. Some of them had been used for very good purposes, but along the journey of those good purposes had a few nicks, got dropped once or twice. They didn't have Briscoe's lady. She's been around for 130 years, that lady. I do not know. She wears a wig. Write down that in your notes. I know you're taking notes, but write down. She wears a wig, and she said it herself. But <clears throat> they didn't just go out and buy another one is what I'm saying. They would repair. So there were repair lines, and there were breakages. And some that were cracked at a certain level, they were now used for a new purpose because they used to be able to hold a certain amount, but now they can't. And there were even cracks in them. And I believe from what history shows, some of these ones that got whopping big holes in the side of them, they were used for light. Extra ones. They designed some for that purpose, designed especially for light. But these ones that had knocks and the holes in the side of them, they would be given for a new purpose. And we, like the church in Corinth, we're well aware of God, but we think it's a God who expects a whole lot from us. I grew up thinking of God like that. I grew up actually genuinely wanting to please Him, um, wanting to be good enough. To pretty much my whole teenage years was to make sure there wasn't a single crack in sight. Because if, if that happened, if, if there were cracks and dents and I died, yeah, or cracks and dents and Jesus came again, flip me days. That, well, there's no clay pots like that in heaven, is there? I mean, that was very well entrenched in my thinking. So until I, until I, I just got to maintain this and I got to, I mean, if there is a good kind of blemish, I'll just turn it to the side so no one sees that because it, it just can't be so. But Paul says, we have this message and we can spend weeks, months, years on this message. In fact, this message of grace and gospel is instead of you having to do all the putting right and managing the, the, the damage and the cracks and, the, and everything, instead of you doing that, the gospel message is God would do it. So, so God's doing the putting right. Every week we should be reminded of the message because we turn into striving machines. We turn into just works. We're trying to work it out, make our way to God. You've got to, you've got to stop that. You've got to stop it and you've got to stop it in your work as well. I know that you've got to work hard in your business, but you're not meant to do it to prove you're somebody, a perfect jar that's better than everyone else. All you're doing is trying to compensate for the fact you don't understand why some jars are made with a different purpose to you. And it is the potter's business why he made it that way. 
You've got to get to the point where comparison is rooted out of your existence and works and striving out to be made right with God. And even at home today, while you watch this, if you let God do the putting right for you, that, guys, is the message. That is the gospel of grace. So we've got this message, that wonderful message, in this kind of reality. And, and, and it's not, listen, it is not excuse for indulgence trying to pull the wool. It's not a reason to stop growing and being discipled. By the way, if you're not being discipled here, you're probably not on a Christian journey that's really going anywhere. Attendance is not discipleship. Jesus did not say, come be followed up. He said, come follow me. I love these next step cards, they're awesome. But if you don't wanna become a disciple of Jesus Christ and get your soul sorted out, this is, you're not doing the journey. Whoa, this got heavy. Let's talk about pottery and ashtrays again for a minute. It was really ugly. The ashtray wasn't even, didn't even sit flat. See, that's much better, isn't it? So it's not, it's not indulgence that you say, oh, great. Well, you know, this is the message that we have. I can just live any way I want, be anything. God. No, that's not human. You will actually learn how to interact with the truly divine. And that's why I actually think, I, I have a growing impression, guys, and even a conviction now, this, this might push the limits this morning if I haven't pushed them already, but I'm going to throw this out here. Are you ready for it? My growing conviction of these, these cracks are actually divine. These dents and dings are divine. No, God didn't necessarily cause them, but the sovereignty and the greatness of God, He may have just well allowed them. What do you mean, Graham? There's not a shred of hatred or rage or anything in God. Everything, if God has any anger, it's holy, Right? He's not got malice. He's not out to, you know, you're in the garage and you drop a hammer in your toe and he's like, good, I hope they got their attention. <laughs> you know, I really hope. And people are laughing the loudest because you're like me. I did it in the garage and I thought God's teaching me a lesson. No, no, he taught the son a lesson with the hammer and the nails so that you and I wouldn't have to. Are you with me? But my, divine, my growing conviction, sorry, is there are divine cracks and divine gaps in each one of us that God, by His great love and mercy, allows to remain. I'm going to say it again. My growing conviction is there are divine cracks and divine gaps in each one of our lives that God, by His great love and mercy, allow to remain. I was thinking about this with my grandma, who actually just passed away on Monday, my grandma, my dad's mum, 92? Sounds right. Was it on Monday? Tuesday. Wednesday. Great. It's been a long week. Sorry. I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? I made her an ashtray, so it's all good. So, so Bethy, she, she um, passed away. And of course, when that happens, there's so, was it really Wednesday? Far out. So there was, um, we've, all my brothers have come in, flown in. Simon and Jess live here, but we've been hanging out and talking. And I've been hanging out with Dad and talking. And Bethy was so strong, powerhouse woman, just powerhouse I mean, honestly, just remarkable person, strong, determined, apart from probably one area. I mean, there's probably some others, but there's one area that my dad said that she really didn't know how to sort out, and that was grief. That she had a husband die, she had a daughter die, she also had a grandson die, she also had a stillbirth, and dad said for whatever reason, she never was able to come to terms with leaning into that loss. She's probably never been taught. Probably grew up in an era where you just white knuckle it, grin and bear it, get through it. Worship team, you can come up. And, and, and 
I actually think that there's people here this morning for you. You've got things like that. Listen to this. Do not miss it. Bruises, longings yet fulfilled. Some, I, do, I know this is going to really mess with our theology, but God is 100% a healer. But there are moments and times where even Paul suffered. N.T. Wright wrote a book on Paul where for seven years he suffered from depression, Paul. Seven-year window went totally out of writing any of the epistles, any of the letters, because he was so beaten up by what was going on to try to get this gospel out there. Well, I didn't grow up knowing that. Maybe there are periods of time where God allows illness in your life, not creates it, not sends it, but allows it. Why? As a divine gap. What about a disappointment? It's gone real quiet in here. What about a disappointment? What about an insecurity? I've got some insecurities that I've had a thousand, very over-exaggerated, but a thousand counseling sessions about, hoping they will just go away. And some do not. Here's the thought. What if some of what you carry and face is actually divinely allowed by the Lord as strategic cracks that he's allowed to remain, watch this, ready? So they keep you coming back to him. Because there are cracks in my life that no one else can fill. Not even Rebecca. Not even my great children. Like they're amazing kids, but they, there are things in me, stuff in me. I'm running out of time. I just need like two more minutes if you can give it to me. I have to start considering that there are some things that if not removed, I'll pray, I've prayed for them, I believe for them, and I'll continue to do that perseveringly. But what if there are some things that was designed as a whack in the side so the light of Christ could pour out of them. Peter's temper only lasted for a little while. We don't read that it went on and on in his apostleship. But in the early stages, it was a crack in the pot that allowed discipleship and growth. Samson's appetite, and it was over woman. Some of the ways that we feed our appetites are not actually the cracks that light come through, but the straight up sin. And sin's got to be understood because the first mention of sin in Genesis was it standing at the door wanting to devour you. So sin is not something to be played with. But by the blood of Jesus, the blood has broken the back of sin, but temptation is common to everybody. So there's 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that. So why did Samson have these temptations? Why did he have these weaknesses? Could it be not how he fleshed them out is not necessarily righteous, but could it be that it was actually designed to keep him coming back to the master potter so the light of Christ could flow through him? David had it. Paul had it. Paul had it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I keep asking God three times, get rid of this weakness. It was a person or challenge. We don't even know, a sickness, a temptation. But God keep rocking up saying, listen, Paul, we've had this conversation. Let me finish it with this. My grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Problem is, 2020, no weaknesses allowed. Or 2020, we're just gonna absolutely go for our weaknesses and just live in our weaknesses. No, God is bringing about the gospel again. I believe it. That keeps you coming back to Him. And this is the big thing. I don't want you to miss it as we come in for a landing. As long as you do keep coming back to Him, you can mitigate the cracks. You can. If I just keep coming back to the feet of Jesus, and I do, it will stay in check. And it's a reminder of how much I need His grace. But if I do not come back to His feet, it gets risky. 
it gets tricky and often it can end up in sin. But if I come to the potter, it's like it's mitigated. It's like it's not got a big angry face on it. It's just there. I I know it's just there. It's ever lurking. But as I come to Him, and you say, oh, okay, so, you know, what do you do when you come to Him about that? I just come to Him. That's why we're talking about worship. Because He's the potter. I'm the clay. That one realization, it's worship. So, so as long as you keep coming back to Him, those things can stay in check. It's when you don't that chasms are created, threats and risks. Because actually some of the gaps in your life are designed for perfect partnership with the mercy and the grace of God. One last time, I've got to remind you of this, not for dysfunction. Dysfunction may be learnt traits formed from issues deeper down, those cracks deeper down, okay? No one is going to shine the light of Christ beating up their family, emotionally or physically. But why the heck are you so angry? That's the crack. The manifestation of how you flesh it out in overreacting. We've all done it. I've done it. That can be sin. But the crack, well, that crack, you can bring it to the feet of Jesus. What a God. What a God. What a God we have in Jesus. That we can be earthen vessels coming to the feet of Him and letting His light shine through us. One last chap, uh, scripture and we'll finish. Romans 12, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. Guys, whether it's cracked, dented, bruised, broken, whether it's been dropped and re-glued, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. And I've had to learn that worship is just the practice, not of pretending, but of coming to the potter and saying, look at this big gash. I don't even know how it got there but I'm going to sit on the wheel today. and You can form me, you can mold me, you can make me. I might even walk away from this and you would like that to remain so your light may shine through, but I'm coming back to the potter. Because if I come back to the potter and he says to me, my son, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Then I'll walk away a pot, not distorted, not to be thrown on the trash heap, but filled with the glory and the light of Christ, just like the temple was. That's going to be my life. That's going to be your life. And that's why we worship. Amen. So Father, I thank you this morning for the gospel. I thank you this morning for the, for the truth. I thank you this morning that your presence would come right now and so powerfully, so uh, amazingly work in us. You know us. You know, the, you know the, the discrepancies. You know the challenges. I pray for divine wisdom to handle this message. It's a deep one, but I pray we'd really understand, Lord. And right now, as we come to worship, we're going to worship God this morning, everyone, whether here or online. As we come to worship this morning, just picture yourself coming to the potter, sitting at His feet. Allow Him to do whatever He wants to do in your life. If it's healing, He will heal some people. If it's, you know, redirection, He will do that. But let Him come this morning and have His way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and let's worship the light of the world and let him shine on you afresh this morning. The team are going to lead us in two songs, okay? And at the end of that, we're going to pray for people. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. 
email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz or visit our website.